Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. It's so exciting to jump on with someone that's really changed your life for the better. Anyone that knows me knows that I read a lot. And, you know, my wife makes fun of me because my... Um, my barrier for like great presentations or great ideas is extremely high. So you could have someone that's, you know, it's a good message, but I'm like, yeah, not so good. I heard it. So when I find books or I find concepts that stand out, it really means a lot. At least in my, in my book, you know, there's something really unique. There's a, there's a new angle. There's something deeper that's over there. And one example of one of the standout classics that I will refer to my clients, that I'll refer to my friends, to you know, people that I care about, is the book called The Go-Giver uh, by, by Bob Berg and Do- John David Mann. And you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's about 10 years old, and it has really fundamentally blown up in a lot of ways and has changed people's lives. It's become really a system. Um, and it's great. I, I loved it. It's short. It's done in a story form. So it's, it, the, the message really comes in. And I had the tremendous opportunity to speak to the author, Bob Berg, who not only is he a renowned speaker and business mind and a, and a student of the greats, uh, the, you know, the Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar's, but also someone who's deeply rooted in Jewish thought. And as of course, my listeners will know, nothing really fires me up more where you're able to take a concept that's in the Torah, that's in, you know, our vast uh, resources of, of material and be able to plug it in, not only just to like, to, it's life, it becomes life. And you're like, wow, that's that same concept. So this was a thrilling conversation for me. We go through all kinds of deep ideas about how to find what you want to do, how to have a greater impact on people, how to build a life and a business that you're proud of. And it's really my pleasure to have on the Go-Giver author, Bob Berg. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has been brought to you by me, Jacob Rupp, and Jacob Rupp's Consulting, uh, Technically Lift Your Legacy. Now, I have to be honest, I help clients often get out of their own way. And something that has really held me up was exactly the same thing that I was in my own way. For months, people have been saying, you know, talk about your coaching, talk about how you help people, share it, etc. And I had a really hard time putting it out there. Why? Because it's not that I don't think I do a great job. I've seen amazing results from my clients, you know, 10x, uh, more than that, businesses, fixed relationships, um, helped people lose a lot of weight, people go on the path of, of making goals and fulfilling their goals, all of these things. I know I do it. And I've been in the coaching space long enough to know that there's a lot of people that don't really deliver. And the ones that do really deliver are, are worth literally their, their weight in gold because so often we're held back by stuff. And it's just like, if only I could get over that, if only I could work through that. And I help people do that. But for me, my big holdup was sharing that I do this in a big way, in a public way, especially on the podcast, because it's awkward. I don't want people to think, oh, I'm just making the podcast to, to sell you stuff or to talk about stuff. So that, that's not what I'm doing. 
Um, my point is like this. My coaching business is expanding. I'm taking on a few more clients. If you are someone that is struggling in the area of self-esteem, goal setting, health, relationships, or your, or your business, really, um, reach out. I don't know if we're a good fit to work with each other. What I can guarantee you is that we'll get on the phone for half an hour. Uh, I'll hear the kind of challenges you're having. You'll get a good feel, if you don't know me yet, of the kind of work I do, kind of program I would recommend for you. And if it's a great fit, we'll move forward. And if not, not. But I wanted to appreciate very much from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you guys all listen. I appreciate the amazing guests that I have. And I'm really thrilled to have broken through in my own life to the point where I could actually devote a segment to really make a somewhat long-winded, but I think very important advertisement. So if you want to reach out to me, the email is rabbi, R-A-B-B-I, rup at gmail.com. And the website is liftyourlegacy.live and at lift underscore your underscore legacy on Instagram. I think it's pretty simple. You, you know where to find me because you found the podcast. Thank you so much. Bob Berg, I am so excited. You know, I just got back your book so that I could, I had been loading it out like crazy and I wanted to have it here to show that this was one of the, uh, one of the fundamental books. And it, it's not just me. Obviously, you got Daniel Pink and Marlee Forleo and, and Dave Ramsey and all these people. You've, you wrote a book and, and it really created a, a mindset and, and an approach to life and to business that has been truly fundamental. But before we get to that, I would love to go back a little bit and hear a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Okay, well, I began as a, a broadcaster, actually, first in radio and then in, in television. Uh, I, was, I was actually the late night news guy for a... Uh, uh, Very, very small ABC in the United States. Really, it wasn't that I, uh, that I graduated into sales. And um, I floundered really for the first few months because I knew nothing about sales. I had had no formal sales training. And the, uh, the company where I was working, I will just say their training was negligible at best. And so, so uh, I was kind of just out there on my own. And uh, fortunately, after a few months, I kind of stumbled into a bookstore and Picked up a couple of books. Uh, one was by Tom Hopkins. One was by Zig Ziglar. Uh, this is almost 40 years ago now. And uh, when I got the book, I just, you know, I, I studied it and I read it and I highlighted and underlined and practiced and got really, and really within a few weeks, my sales began to really take off. So uh, this was very encouraging to me because it said, you know, if you have a system for doing things, a methodology, you can, you can accomplish what you need to accomplish. Uh, to this day, I would personally define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles, the key being predictability, right? If it's okay, just, just, just one second. I want to jump back very quickly for the listeners that might not have picked up something that's very important. You were working in broadcast journalism. You... Graduated, you said very nicely into sales. Most, <laughs> most, most, it's a good way of looking at it. And you found yourself to be floundering. You weren't very good. So a lot of times people will find themselves in situations and like, were you married at this point? Did you have family, anything like that? What was uh, your no. personal? No, okay. So you're by yourself, you're trying to make a living and you find that you're not very good at the way that you're trying to put money in the account. And it's a business that is dependent on you being good at what you do. Yes. Um, 
And so what did you do? A lot of people might, you know, start blaming, start associating, start running away. You went into a bookstore. So you sought to actually educate yourself. You started to realize that this is a learnable skill. So many people think speaking and writing and sales, they're all just intrinsic. And it's like, well, maybe for some, but a lot of people just train themselves. And the second point is that you were able to see incremental changes. That's the, that's the important thing. I think a lot of times to be a, again, you're thinking, you know, the, the, the all-time all-stars, you see a Tom Hopkins that are Zig Ziglar and you're like, oh man, forget about it. That's not me. But it's not about becoming them. It's about making incremental small changes. So you're actually not that far from a breakthrough that you might think. So those are two things that just popped out right away. But let's jump back into it. So you build a system. You want to see a system in, in, your, in your sales, in your life, in your business. So what's the next step for you? Yeah, well, and I think the points you brought up are, are very important. There are few natural anythings. Now, we, have, we are typically born with an inclination for certain things, okay? Uh, you know, there's the, the person who is the born with great gross motor and small motor control, and, and uh, you know, they can go up there and swing a bat and hit a ball. But if they, if, they, if they have an aptitude for it, an inclination, but if they don't practice and put on a whole lot of hours doing it, they're never going to improve. They're never going to get to the point where they can play pro ball. Someone else may have a natural inclination for something else or for something else, and that's great. But to get to master something, it takes a lot of work and a lot of practice. Now, fortunately, uh, you know, the way that Hashem has created the world tends to be that those things that we're good at, we also like, <laughs> you know, not always, but it tends to be that way. I, I want to, I, I can't oversimplify this point that you're making, or over, overlook this point, because I think it's so fundamental, because, you know, if you look in the world, and certainly with the, uh, with the, with the influencer culture, which, which you are an expert in, which we'll speak about in a little bit, you know, you see that there's sort of like one way, maybe in the 80s, it was like on Wall Street, or maybe, you know, the early 2000s, it was in real estate. Like, it seems like there's, you know, certainly for, for Jews, it was like, you know, being a doctor or a lawyer. And it seems like there's one way of making it. And if you want to do something else that maybe it doesn't fit in with your with, you know, the one way of making, if you're not a numbers guy, so to speak, or, or you have no interest in sales, you know, you feel like, well, I guess I just have to relegate myself to being second best. But what you're saying is that there is no shame in dialing into what you're naturally good at, what you naturally appeal to, but that it, but you, but that doesn't mean you have to be world-class right away. It just means that's your first step, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. And, and hey, there's, there's no question that even those things we may not have an aptitude for, we can learn it to a certain point. We probably will never be as good as the person who started at a certain level. And then, you know, because it was kind of, uh, and I, I always hate to say natural. I want to say they have an inclination toward. Um, and then who also worked at it. So that's why, um, you know, in fact, let's, let's go back to something that's often said. Okay, and this is a saying that while it's, it's not untrue, it's not complete, okay? And the saying is, you know, follow your passion and you'll never work another day in your life, okay? Again, it, it's good in terms of, of course, why not follow your passion? What you're passionate about is probably also what you're naturally inclined to do, but it can't stop there. Uh, we also have to be able to, create or have a marketplace for that, that we're able to serve and that people are willing to buy. Otherwise, we just have a hobby, right? And hobbies are great. I, I recommend them, but it's probably not something that, you know, you're going to make a, a living out of. Uh, 
So I think it's always great to, when you, when you love to do something, pursue it, of course. Now, by the way, remember too, you might be that person who's not a great athlete by nature, and you love athletics, so what can you do? Well, maybe you're going to be the person who writes that newsletter, or you're going to be in management, or you're going to be the greatest general manager who, who ever lived, or do something in terms of... So there's usually ways to take what we want to do and what we feel an inclination to and turn it into, and turn it into a, a um, living, which is, you know, when you can do it. When you can do what you love and have a good income coming in, oh my gosh, I mean, that's a great way to live life. So that so that's such an important point that that you're making is that a lot of times when we throw around this word passion, what sort of pops up in our mind are the artists and the writers and the you know the the, the you know my passion is exercise, my passion is jujitsu, you know all of this stuff that you're like yeah, but how are you going to make a living? But the fascinating thing is you know speaking to someone like yourself, speaking just like the opportunities that's around in the world today is it's not like you can't make money doing what you like it's just that you have to figure out how do you crystallize a system and right. you know here your and i, I want to i want to hear it from your words but you know you start with a book but really it's not the book it's a concept it's a mechanism it's a system and then the book becomes classes it becomes a program it becomes multiple different you know a niche specific uh, 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 uh presentations so it's like you should never think well my passion is too you know, loose or, 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 you know, esoteric for me to, to monetize. It's just, I have this passion. I just have to figure out how do I put it in a format in a vehicle that other people can get behind and, and, and ultimately compensate me for. Yeah, well, exactly. Because we, we, we need to have a market for it and there is a market for it. You just have to figure out what it is. And, and, you know, and that's, uh, uh, and, and that's a key, of course. So sure. I, I totally agree with that. So okay, so you're getting better at sales. You, you've learned from the learned from the masters. I think it must just be so cool not to not to spin out to the very end of the story, but for you to have now a book that's one of those you know all time sales classics. When you when you started off, you know, kind of in the trenches uh, with uh, with uh, the Tom Hopkins and, and Zig Ziglar's. But so tell me a little bit about. So your sales career starts to take off. Then what happens? Uh, so, you know, there's there's one thing that happened in between before I even went into speaking that really turned things around with me because I, you know, I learned from, you know, again, Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar and, and all the, the great books that I read, uh, you know, all the great, the, the, what I would call the classics, the how to win friends and influence people, the think and grow rich, the, the uh, magic of thinking big and uh, all the great books that everybody in sales at the time, you know, read. And it, it helped grow, uh, grow me on the inside and, and so forth. My sales career was going well, but I was definitely not fulfilling my potential in that regard. There was something holding me back, and what was holding me back was me, mm-hmm. and it was my focus. Um, I, I thought of saying, and this is not the fault of Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar, this is just where I was at the time, was I was looking at sales. I was so into sales that, and while I had a great product I was selling and I cared about my customers, it was still about the sale. And... What happened was I came back to the office. I was selling a, a high ticket item for a, a certain company. And I came back to the office one day and I was really discouraged because the sale did not take place. And I, I knew it was my fault because the product or service was great for that person. And obviously if I had done my job correctly, I would have been able to serve that person and that great, but it didn't happen. 
And one of the um, older guys who was there, he wasn't in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department, but he was a really an older guy who didn't say much, but he was one of those when he did say something, it always made sense. So it was always profound, right? And he said to me, uh, Berg, can I give you some advice? And I said, yeah, sure, please do. And he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target, he said, is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Your target is serving others. Well, that was my moment because it was then that, uh, you know, what do they call it? An epiphany, right? Where I realized that selling is not great. Salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Okay. It, it's great. Selling is not even about the product or service as important as that product or service is great. Salesmanship is about understanding that it's about the other person and how they are going to benefit, how their life is going to be made better through your product or service. So I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I want to point out that that I'm sure it, it's, could be that what's what's interesting is I'm sure if you delved into any of those you know uh, what we call fundament you know the fundamentals of the sales sales books you'd probably find that there you probably find that concept there but what's oh, interesting sure. is that's interesting is it didn't hit you which means you could be staring all the time at the right answers and you just don't you don't see it but the interesting thing is and, I, and I'm just I'm just speaking this out and I'm curious you know so there's a there's a there's a concept that when you're you know when you're you can, I guess if you're so busy looking at the trees, you can't see the forest. A lot of times you have to be able to detach and to look back. And so many people live their lives in this cycle of desperation. I'm saying like, it's very easy for, again, when everyone thinks this, it's like, you know, it's very easy to look at the very highly compensated salesperson and say, well, you know, you're not doing it for the money, but I got, you know, the mortgage, the rent, the kids, like I need the money. So how did you, and I, and I have like a, just a Jewish rabbinic answer, perhaps that's where faith kicks in, but how did you, or what was the, the, the steps that went into hearing that lesson and truly internalizing it? And were you really at a time where money didn't matter? Or was it like money did matter, but I just have to have that faith that this is going to be my next step? So I don't think it's a matter of money not mattering. And when you say, don't focus on the money, don't have making money as your target, that doesn't mean it's not important. And it doesn't mean the, the end goal isn't to make money. It's that if you focus on the money, what's going to happen is you're not focused on the other person and they're going to be able to sense that. Okay. So, you know, one thing I often say when I speak at a sales conference is I'll say that, uh, and you know, everyone in the audience is a salesperson. So I know I'm, you know, speaking with a group of people who are all of the same mindset, right? And I'll say, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. And we all laugh because as salespeople, we all know that's true. They're not going to buy from, from us because we have a quota to meet. I'll say they're not going to buy from you because you need the money. And they're not even going to buy from you because you are a really nice person. They're going to buy from you only because ultimately they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. 
So the best thing that you can do as a salesperson, best thing any salesperson can do if they really want to make money is to not focus on the money. That's one of those paradoxes of life, okay? If you want to make a lot of money, don't focus on the money. Focus on the value that you are providing another human being because that's the only reason they're going to do business with you. It's why we say that money is simply an echo of value, okay? Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must come first. That must be where your focus is. The value comes first. The money you receive is a very natural result of the value you've provided. So it's, it's, it's such a fascinating concept. One of the things that really like lights my fire is when you find, you know, these truisms in business or in commerce and, or, or really in anything, psychology, and then you can able to look back and see that that's a very fundamental principle, not just for that specific industry or that specific, you know, sales, you know, that whatever you want to call that a topic, but it's, it's very like at the fun, fundamentals of all of human relationships, sure. which is, which is, you know, that concept of, I mean, even in the Torah, we're talking about, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, but it's not about, you know, do what you want for the other person. It's like, you know, like you're, you're up at night and your kid's screaming at you. Maybe this is just a, a evident, you know, this is just my, my, my life a little bit, you know, but like you want silence, but you can't yell at your kid. I want silence. You have to figure <laughs> out it's actually going to be better for the kid if they right. get the amount of sleep they need, if they X, Y, and Z, because no one at the end of the day, they, your agenda is your problem, but you have to focus on what's good for other people, not just in business, not just for people that are out there selling, but really in anything is if your focus is on the other, so then ultimately you will get your needs met at a much faster rate. Yeah, Dale Carnegie in his class of how to win friends and influence people said, and I think this is the underlying premise of his entire book, and it's where he wrote, ultimately, People do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So as leaders, as influencers, what we need to do is find out. We need to discover that other person's reason. And generally, we can do that uh, you know, only through asking questions and then really, really listening. You know, listening not to speak, listening to truly understand and get what this person is about. Yeah, you know, what is, you know, selling is simply discovering what the other person needs, wants, and desires and helping them to get it. So is leadership, so is relationships, so is pretty much anything. Right, it's a, it's a famous line from the Ethics of the Fathers where it says, you know, you have to make God's will your will, then God will do your, your, your will. So it's like, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're thinking about, you know, what's, what's my responsibility? It's, a, it's, it's, it's absolutely fundamental that, you know, if you look at, at what am I obligated, you know, to do for the other person, to what, what are the responsibilities, the needs the other person has, that always is going to trump what are my, what, what's owed to me. You won't find a successful person that's like that. Um, so, so how did you go from beyond the, the sales component and feeling like you were held back and seeing this, this light to creating your own system, which is really, which is tremendous. Again, I'm calling the go-giver a system because it's a lot more than just a book, clearly. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mean it. Um, well, I eventually worked my way up to sales manager of, of that company and I started doing things that, that you know, again, were uh, kind of taking, the people were taking notice of and I had the feeling I could probably start to show others what was, you know, what was working for me. Again, it, it wasn't 
necessarily anything I made up. I mean, it was everything I had learned. What does Perkei Avot say? You know, who is wise? That person who learns from all others. And so I think when we can do that, you know, we're, we're on the right track. And, and I loved teaching and sharing and being able to, you know, to do those things. So one day I went to a seminar because, uh, again, I was always going to sales seminars and learning. And I, I bought the person, this is, again, this is many years ago, I bought that person's cassette tape program. That's that how was, long ago this was, nice. cassette tape program. And at, in the back, he, he uh, said something like, if you want to learn how to sell these tapes uh, and learn how to speak, call our office. And so I did, and I went down there, and they showed me how to speak at all these groups you know, for free, and I could speak for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and I'd sell the tapes at the back. And I got pretty good at them. Again, I just followed a system for doing so. And, um, but eventually, I wanted to go off on my own and teach things that were working for me that I could kind of put together the things I had learned. You know, I was very blessed to have great parents. And, um, you know, my, my dad is probably, and, and he, he's 95 right now, um, and the, the best person I have ever seen in terms of, of people skills. Really? And to him, it was about as natural as, as it could be. He, he did have a very natural way of relating to people. He truly loved people and was interested in people. Uh, I, to me, it didn't, that didn't come naturally to me, but I'm glad I got to watch the master at work. And it was just wonderful. And so, I, you know, I always say the single greatest people skill is a highly developed and authentic interest in the other person. And while dad never said that to me, it's what I observed all the time and watching him. He always just genuinely cared. He always wanted to make other people feel genuinely good about themselves. And, um, and, and so I, I wanted to kind of bring that into my teaching as well. And again, when I say my teaching, I'm just carrying on my dad's, you know, legacy. And, and, um, and so that became a big part of my work as well. So it was kind of combining the sales and the people skills and the, you know, and so forth. And that's, you know, and it's evolved over the years. And, uh, you know, so that, that part's been a lot of fun. When's the book? Cause the interesting thing is that, you know, and I, I think this is such a fundamental lesson also is there is such a pressure amongst, you know, I, I do a little bit of work with college students. I know people do a lot of work with college students across the board. There's anxiety, there's depression, there's frustration. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why should you be so, again, I'm not, I'm not minimizing it, but you know, at a time when people you would think would have so much freedom and, and opportunity in front of them, there's the, this like tremendous pressure to like narrow down and figure it out. And, and the fascinating thing that I'm hearing from you is that at no stage was this, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this wasn't like, I want to write a book down the road, like you were, you were a broadcaster, you were a sales guy, you, you like speaking, you found, you know, that you, you, you slowly incorporate more lessons. So like, it sounds like this was a, there was an evolution oh, yeah. and you were aware of it, but it wasn't like the out, out the gate, this is what you want to do from the time you're five years old. No, no, I, I wanted to be third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. See, everyone's got different plans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't have that, uh, that, uh, that skill set that would allow me to go that far with it. But, uh, um, but yeah, I also, though, you know, had an interest in, in radio and in broadcasting. I was kind of that annoying kid who, while I was playing, was also announcing the game. Uh -huh. So, there, you know, there was, there was something there. But uh, I did enjoy, once I found sales, I enjoyed the personal development aspect of it a lot. Mm -hmm. And when I got into the teaching uh, of it, 
uh, which was really speaking is what you're doing when you're up there. And, um, and when I, uh, and I, I enjoyed that. When I wrote the first book, which was called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales, um, I really wrote that first book for utilitarian purposes. A few friends at the National Speakers Association at one of the conventions said, you know, you, you've got to really write a book, get yourself positioned. It's going to make it easier to market yourself and so forth and so on. And, and they were right. It was really good. Um, but as I evolved and my career evolved, I started writing because I felt I had something I wanted to share. Um, you know, so, uh, I, so I guess when you say involvement, yeah, that happened, but it's funny as that happened. And, and I was very, very fortunate to know John David Mann, who's my co-author of the entire Go-Giver series. And he's the lead storyteller. He's the guy who makes the story really come alive. And so, um, but since that point, it took my career on a whole new, you know, trajectory. And so, uh, you know, you, you do things because, uh, you know, again, you, you kind of get a calling for it and you, 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 you just, that's what you want to do. I mean, when you think about it, life is a, a, a pursuit of happiness, if you will. I mean, right. Um, it's, it's, it's baked right into our, our uh, declaration of independence, right? right. So, seeking, seeking happiness. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, there's, there's two things there because, you know, that I would love to break down and just sort of illustrate that it seems is that one thing you said is that there's, you know, a certain level of, uh, there's a perception out there that I have to achieve a certain, I have to be Derek Jeter before I write a book about baseball, right? That, um, sorry for the, the Yankees analogy. I, I, I realized that that was, that was insensitive. Oh, Derek, did you say Derek Jeter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, well, he's now the owner of the uh, Miami Marlins who, you know. Okay, all right, great. Right. So, like, so, yeah. we, we have a sense that we have to be so unbelievably successful at something before we start offering advice to other people. And what's really interesting to me is to hear you say you had a little bit of success, but you know, you weren't the, the number one salesman in the entire country, but you just wanted to help other people. So how did you, how did you get that courage to, you know, sort of tell yourself, I have advice that would benefit other people. I should get out and share my story. Cause for a lot of people that that's hard to do because we're such works in progress as it is. Well, I mean, so there, there's two points there. When I started speaking on, on sales, yeah, I had achieved, a, you know, some good success. So I, I did feel qualified to do that. Um, but I think you can, as you start to grow at anything, teaching as you're coming along with it is also a great, you know, way to, to, to get good at it. I wouldn't suggest teaching something you know nothing about, but when you're learning something, uh, and you know here, and 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 someone else is here. You can you can teach, you know, and you kind of you're, but you're also learning, and you're growing more. And there's other people who are as well, and we're all sharing knowledge with with one another. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think someone if they're going to get on stage, if they're going to write a book, they should be qualified to know what they're they're talking about. But I don't think you have to wait until that point to start sharing information and teaching with others by. Uh, by any means it's you know it's sort of when you uh get together with a with a, a torah scholar right and you don't say i'm uh he's teaching you always say i'm learning with him and i always notice the the, the rabbis always say we're learning together even though you know the rabbi has more knowledge you know in their little finger than i have in my entire body they say learning and we say you know learning so that's just it's a to me it's a it's a, a really great frame because again, we're all, we're all always learning.
So it's a little bit of courage and a little bit of humility to, to very, I love that. It's that slip of paper, right? On the two sides with the, uh, the world was created for me and I am but dust. It's all right. And wisdom is knowing when when is appropriate. (laughs) Okay. So you are, you are, you know, and it's funny before I, before I appreciated and understood your, your, your Jewish background and I was reading your book, I was like, oh, hey, you know, a a lot of this is, is Torah. Tell me a little bit about how Judaism, how religion in general, like your personal journey and if those teachings shaped what you're doing now or what you put in your work? So it's, it's funny. My dad, who I referred to earlier, um, always taught me from the time I was a little kid, he would always ask me these five questions, okay, that I was supposed to know the answer to. Four were from uh, Simeon Benzoma of Predicate of Vote, and it was, who is rich, who is wise, who is mighty, and who is honored. And then dad also uh, had a, a fifth one that he'd ask, who is brave? And the answer is that person who is smart enough to be afraid and still do their job. But so dad would constantly ask me those questions. Those were the ones I was always supposed to know. And I, it's always such a great memory for me that, you know, when he'd ask me the question and I'd get it right and so forth. Dad also would tell me, and by the way, you know, I, I talk about my dad. My mom is also a wonderful mom, and I'm blessed to have, have both of them. Um, but, you know, as a, as a boy relates to his father and a daughter relates to their mother, it's a, a, a bit different. If, if my sister Robin's telling this, she's talking about mom is bit, right? So, um, you know, my dad would also tell me that everything God does is for a reason, which, you know, it sounds trite and cliche, but it helped get me through, you know, the, the, you know, the Taurus I had as a kid, you know, as like every kid does. Right. But, um, and so I always grew up believing that, that to me, no matter how bad things got, I also on an, another topic, not to go down another thread, but, uh, I have, and, uh, have had since I was a kid, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD, which has been a big struggle and journey in itself. But that aside, that's one reason why there's been a lot of, you know, issues, but, um, but I would always continue to come back to the fact that dad said everything God does is for a reason. Okay. Uh, we may not know what it is and we often don't. And sometimes we'll find it out and other times we may not, but everything has a reason. And you know, I would say that kept me sane, right? It also helped me go through life and be able to, you know, to, to be able to, to do that. Um, while my parents weren't orthodox, you know, they, they both grew up that I would guess they were, I think everybody was pretty much orthodox when they were growing up in, in, in that term, you know, not everybody, but it was more, uh, no, they certainly weren't. Although dad, um, we would have said conservative Jews, but, uh, dad went to minion every morning, uh, used to get up early, <laughs> go to minion. And he was the kind of the guy who mentored the other ones, the younger ones who went to minion and dad showed them what to do. And he did his, his dovening every morning, afternoon, every evening. Uh, so very, um, you know, faith-filled. And, uh, and that's just kind of what I lived because that's what I saw. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that um, and, you know, while I'm, I don't consider myself particularly observant, although I did for a while, I'd say about six or seven years when I was very involved in Asia Torah, um, I did more along those lines. Uh, and while I did not feel the need to continue that in the way that I had, uh, it's, it's helped so much in terms of, of my learning and in terms of my living. And I'll just say that people like 
Rabbi Pliskin's, Rabbi Zelig Pliskin of Asia Torah and uh, Reb Noach, uh, just their writings, their works, and many of the other uh, Rabbi Kalman Packhouse who has this uh, fax he sends out every, right? I've been on that. My brother-in-law put me on that about 20 years ago. And, and I'll just tell you, this is how the seeds of how things happen, okay? Um, about 20, probably maybe 25 years ago, I get this fax and from from Rabbi Packhouse in my, at H Miami. And uh, it, it's a nice little fax where it has the, uh, you know, a lesson and it has the, okay. So my brother-in-law put me on that list. I didn't even know. So I get that, and some of what I'm reading is really kind of hitting me. There was a growth through Torah se a section with Rabbi um, uh, Pliskin, and I started reading, and, you know, one of my issues was I gossiped a lot, and I don't know why it was never allowed in my house, but I must have gotten a recessive gossip gene because I used to do it all the time. And I read something that Rabbi Pliskin talked about, and he mentioned uh, uh, uh the Chafetz Chaim, and so I bought a book, uh, Guard Your Tongue by Rabbi Pliskin, and that really started me on a whole track to self-improvement, hmm. uh, appreciation and all the different things, and from, from there, I, and I, start, I have on my bookshelf, in my bookcase in the other room, because uh, this behind me is one little tiny bit of my, a whole, uh, probably 12 or 13 volumes of all the weekly emails I got from all sorts of, of um, uh, rabbinic teaching. And uh, so it made a big difference. And it was all from one little fax that my brother-in-law subscribed me to that I didn't even know about. So I think it's, it's, so, it's, so, it's so beautiful, so many of those, of those lessons, one being that when parents are, are clear on what's important to them, it goes into the children even many, many years later. The, yeah. second, the second point that I, that I took away from that, that that's, that's phenomenal is, I mean, you know, I, I had this experience, which, which I don't know the proper forum for it, but I think it's so crucial. Um, when I would run birthright trips, I would, you know, we would have the young soldiers that would join on and they would always say, you know, Rabbi, I'm not religious. And their definition of religious is kosher or right. You know, exactly. Sabbath observance. But I said, you know, excuse me, you, you are living in the land of Israel. You are laying down, be willing every day to lay down your life to save a random person you don't even know. It's like, at what point did your death? I said, you, you're, how do you know you're not more religious than I am? I, okay, I wear a keeper, but like, you know, and I think that the same thing's true is, is this concept that, you know, a lot of people think, quote, religious is this. But if you look at what your life is and what you're doing, mm -hmm. it's the, real, really the, the passionate pursuit of helping other people be more successful and live better lives. And again, you know, like you said with the, with the, with the, the book from Rabbi Plitzkin, like that's a very, you know, what does it mean that we're the light of the, the light of the nations? Like that's a big thing about what our, you know, I guess our national product is, is helping people live better lives and more, more, more conscious lives. I think that's very important. Yeah. And that's why, by the way, I distinguish between observant, which might mean certain things and religious. And so I, I think you make a great point. It, you know, it always goes back to defining terms. And it was another lesson I learned on Reb Noah had a, a great, and again, I got the tape. That, that's how long ago this was, um, 48 Ways to uh, Wisdom. Right. And one of the things he talked about is, is defining terms. And he tells this great story in a class where he says, how many of you would be offended if somebody you didn't know walked up to you and called you a buffistic? 
And pe some people raised their hands, some people didn't, some people, oh, I wouldn't want someone that, you know, this and that. And they said to the rabbi, why, what would your reaction be? Or what would your response be? And, and the rabbi said, well, the first thing I do is I'd ask, what's a befustic? And so, you know, so it's so important that we define our, our, our terms. And you're right, I often hear people saying I'm not religious when what they mean is I'm not uh, observant of certain, you know, laws, rituals, what have the mitzvot and, and, and so forth. But but uh, all we, but I'm saying that my point is that everyone's growing and that they're, they're right. you know, I'm saying right. like it's it's such it's such a it's such a crucial thing. Okay, I I I know that I've gone over my time. I have to do oh, that's two. okay. That's okay. okay. Rabbi I, can do that stuff. It's okay. I, I know, right? I heard the definition of an optimist is someone that puts their shoes on when the rabbi says, "My last thought is." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so I I, I guess the, the last the last. Two questions, if if I could, and maybe if there's a time to do a follow up, that would be amazing. Um, the the first one is when you obviously your 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 stature grows. Your book became a you know huge runaway bestseller. It was very fundamental in influencing the new generation of like you talked about influencers. Is there one thing that you found that really stood out like a learning lesson that you had after you had written your book that like, you know, as you continue to like develop, like what, what's the new thing? What's the new concept that you might not have known when your book came out initially, be it about personal stuff, about, you know, the fact that you just naturally kind of go in the air of other people that are successful influencers, et cetera. Like what's something you learned that you, that you didn't know previously? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, well, I always, you know, I'm always learning things that I didn't know as far as general principles go of learning. I, I don't know that there's, uh, you know, uh, anything new under the sun in terms of what there, you know, what, what new, you know, concept or, or something as I continue to learn and, and study. Uh, and it's been, I think, 10, 11 years since the first book's out. I know so much more about certain things than I, you know, than I knew back then, because, uh, you know, hopefully my knowledge bank is always growing. Hopefully the wisdom bank is growing too. the knowledge I turn into wisdom. But um, so is there anything that, that I think is particularly new or different or, yeah, or I'm just saying, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because like you said, like a person has to be in a certain mindset or maybe hearing it from a specific individual, you know, so I, again, I'm just looking at, you know, the back, it's, it's so fun. Cause I'm looking at, you know, I guess there's a certain, like a sales Masora, if you would, a, tra a transmission from, you know, you go from the Tom Hopkins and the Zig Ziglar's and people, I think Tom's still alive, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, Zig Ziglar passed away, but then you're looking at, you know, the people I'm just like, look, they wrote the, the, the back of your book, the Ariana Huffingtons and the Daniel Pinks and, and the Glenn Becks and the Dave Ramsey's, like, kind of like this new age of, you know, sales uh, trainers. Has something, yeah. a specific person, like spoken a lesson out that you're like, oh, now I get it? Or, or is it really that it's just, a, it's a process of just refining concepts? Yeah, I think it's more the process of refining, though there, there's certain people that have, that have really, like, for example, Harry Brown, a person who most people have not heard of, uh, Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E, and he was, a, he was a, a, an economist, he was also a great libertarian thinker, he was um, a great writer and, and a fantastic human being, I got to know him a little bit, and um, he, he wrote some things that really, he was a, a guy who really studied human nature, and he, he 
honored and respected human nature. He didn't try to change it, but rather he worked within it. And I think reading Harry gave me even more of a desire to, to even dig deeper into human nature than I had. And since doing that and reading so many of the books that I have regarding human nature, uh, I think that's given me even more of, a, uh, of an opportunity to, to, to understand more, to learn more, to kind of get why some things happen, whereas before I may, I may not have. So yeah, I would, I would use Harry as an example of someone who, uh, who provided information that, you know, that really made a, really made a difference for me. Amazing. Okay. So what's, what's next? Last question. What's next for, uh, for Bob Berg in terms of the message, the go-giver, like where, where are you seeing this uh, revolution going? Well, we continue to build our certified go-giver speakers program where we have people who've been very successful in their business who, uh, are, who uh, license my materials and we teach them how to be professional speakers, how to market themselves, how to teach the go-giver message. We have some of our um, go-giver entrepreneur academies that, we, that are two and a half days. We limit those to 10 people because we get very, very deep into their business and um, we'll be coming out with a, uh, uh, an online course uh, called Endless Referrals, The Go-Giver Away. So we're excited about that. And, and we continue, you know, to promote the, the books because that's really kind of where it starts. And uh, people come to the site and, and a relationship builds and things happen. So, you know, that's, we're still, still having fun with it. Beautiful. Okay, Bob, how do people find out more about you personally or about the work that you're doing? You mentioned the site, but if we, if, uh, you know, when, when people want to flock to uh, your teachings, where do they go? Best place is probably the book site, which is the go giver without the hyphen.com, the go giver.com. Amazing. Bob Berg, thank you so much for the time. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.